Today's episode of The Movies That Made Her But Not Me is sponsored by FilmCred. Providing new film critics and writers in-depth feedback on their writing, FilmCred is made up of a community of collaborators dedicated to publishing insightful reviews, interviews, video essays, and coverage of film festivals. Visit film-cred.com to learn more. And I'm Lauren Lloyd. And you're listening to The Movies That Made Her But Not Me, the podcast where we discuss classic films from different generational perspectives. The classic film we're discussing today is the 2009 hit Avatar. There's a few more sensory motor reflex tests we need to run, so take it easy. Wait. Jake. 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 Listen to me. Jake. I need you to sit down. Jake. It's okay. Listen to me. Felt good, I got this. Jake, you need to sit down. Guys, get him back on the gurney now. You need to sit down. You have you need time to adjust to the episode. Jake, watch it. Jake, sit down. Jake, sit A thousand milligrams of stuff. Guys, guys. Whoa, whoa. By the numbers. Jake, Jake. Listen to me. You're not used to your avatar body. This is dangerous. This is great. So let's set the scene. The movie is Avatar. Famed director James Cameron's 11th directorial feature, Avatar remains the highest grossing film of all time. It's grossing $2.847 billion. That's crazy. Uh, Avatar takes the world by storm with its stunning visual effects, 3D production, and IMAX release. So, what was the most successful film ever about? Well, it was about the about the beautiful world of Pandora. Away from Earth and in a post-apocalyptic future, an energy crisis has led to humans looking for other resources. On Pandora, people have found these resources, but to get them, they must destroy the Navi people who live there. Jake, our main character, is an ex-Marine who lost the use of his legs. When his twin brother dies, Jake takes his place on a scientific mission that involves genetically identical avatars who are part human and part Navi. These avatars are an attempt to make contact with the Navi people and try to manipulate them into giving in to the human need to exploit the land. As Jake interacts with the Navi people through his avatar, he learns about the land, he falls in love with their culture, and he falls in love with Navi woman named Natiri. As he learns more and loves more, he comes to question what the human military is doing on Pandora, but it may be too late. The year is 2009, the outbreak of the H1N1 influenza strain, also known as the swine flu, becomes a global pandemic. Michael Jackson dies in June. The longest solar eclipse of the 21st century occurs, lasting for six minutes. Barack Obama is sworn in as the 44th president of the United States, becoming our first black president. Greenland gains self-rule, tensions between the United States and North Korea rise, and Iceland appoints a new prime minister, becoming the first openly lesbian head of government. Also, in 2009, Minna was nine years old, and all she and her friends could talk about is this new movie, Avatar. So, Minna, tell me about the first time you saw Avatar. 
What's interesting is I can't tell you about the first time I saw Avatar because I don't remember a single thing about it. I know that... That says something. (laughs) I remember being nine years old and my friend was completely blown away by Avatar. She had seen it in the theater. She's like, Minna, you've got to see it. It's amazing. It's so incredible. It'll change your life. So I remember when it came out on DVD, my friend and I watched it on a projector screen in her backyard. Very nice. But what's crazy is I didn't remember that I had seen it until I was re-watching the movie. And I was like, oh wait, I think I have seen this before. And that's what blows my mind about this movie is that it's the highest grossing film of all time. But when I talk to people who all saw it when it came out, it's like nobody ever rewatched it after they saw it the first time. No one can remember what happens in the movie. No one remembers the actors who are in it. No one can tell you the plot of the movie or a single thing about it. It's like we have completely forgotten about it. It was this cultural phenomenon that just took over everything. The chokehold that this movie had on our society. Mm -hmm. And now, what, 15 years later, it's like, oh, Avatar, there were blue people. Cat people. But like the, the message of the movie and the actors who were in it, the characters' names, couldn't tell you a single... like there were no quotable lines in the movie like you would think that a movie that made so much money and had such a cultural impact would have some sort of lasting impact but it had none not a single impact that I am aware of Um, did you remember the world at least that yes I did remember the world and I have been to Disney World in Orlando Florida and I have seen (laughs) their recreation of Pandora which is beautiful oh good good so that's all very interesting and cool and I feel like that's all that people do remember from the movie. Like, I remember going... Nothing else is memorable. Well, yeah. I mean, I remember going to Pandora at Disney World and being like, oh, yeah, this is beautiful. I remember uh-huh. these things. But it's like, even then, still, I couldn't tell you what the movie was about. Like, I just everything about it, besides the visual effects, was so forgettable. I couldn't remember what happened as I was rewatching the movie for the podcast. So I remember thinking halfway through the movie... There is nothing interesting or memorable about this movie at all. And, you know, I went into it being like, oh, well, this is the highest grossing film of all time. So it's going to absolutely blow my mind. It's going to be so amazing. So out of this world, incredible. Or at least it's going to have some sort of story that everybody loves and everybody can relate to. Because it is the most successful movie ever. Like, that's what I was expecting going into it. Like, this is going to be... Amazing. And I don't know what the criterion should be for the best movie, well, the most pe- successful movie of all time, but this was definitely not what I was expecting. Well, why did so many people see it? What, what must have some of it been word of mouth? It can't just all be advertising. Do you know why? Because I agree with you. I thought it was two hours and 40 minutes of sheer boredom. And so, um, but why? did What, what connected with people there? Um, I, I mean, I don't know if this is... I think one thing that I realized upon reflection is that I think watching Avatar in the movie theater in 2009 was a very different experience than me watching Avatar on my laptop in my room in 2022. I think, first of all, it being released in IMAX. Mm -hmm. So in 2009, um, it it became the biggest movie to be released in IMAX theater. So before that, it was Harry Potter and the Half-Blood Prince, and then Avatar beat it. So... There was that, you know, you could go see it on a huge screen. You could also see it in 3D. Mm-hmm. And that was like new technology that sure, the whole movie cool. was shot in 3D. And that's really cool too. Mm-hmm. And then of course, on top of that, there's a motion capture CGI 
aspect of it, which also is beautiful. And I don't think the movie has been digitally remastered at all. Mm -hmm. And watching it, you know, a few days ago, it was absolutely gorgeous to look at. And Mm -hmm. I'm like, okay, so I can understand where if I was nine years old and I was going to go see this in an IMAX theater in 3D with the CGI where really the only experience that I or the only thing that I can compare this to is the Polar Express Uh which is like so terrible I mean this movie probably would have blown my mind if I'd seen it in the theater Mm -hmm. you know back then but watching it as I said on my laptop I was like this is like a really terrible retelling of Pocahontas (laughs) well it's that's funny yeah it is um but hold on for a sec what about um you saw it on your laptop, so I mean, it does scream out as a movie to be seen, you know, in a, on a big screen. But but you saw it, so that's good. Yeah. So what did you like? I'm first of all not really a huge action movie fan to begin Nor with, so that already is a hurdle that I have to get over. I have to fast forward through those parts. Yeah, <laughs> I also fast forwarded through those parts. <laughs> I know the fight scenes are supposed to be beautiful, but you know, like the third act is like wall-to-wall action, and I just find that so boring. I also thought it was really boring. I'm not a huge action movie person, so that was obviously going to be a hurdle for me to begin with. Um, I remember when I was watching the movie thinking, this is no different than any other action movie that I've ever seen before in my life. It's got like the same, yeah, the same arc and everything. White man saves the world. Right. Follows that like hero's journey to a T. Most of my notes that I wrote down about the movie are quotes from the movie because I thought that there were some interesting lines. I felt like parts of the movie, not all of it, parts of the movie were very well written Mm -hmm. and there were certain lines in it that I found to be very impactful and interesting and thought provoking. Not the Michael Bay lines like... Let's dance. Or, <laughs> who's your daddy? None of those lines. Okay, go ahead. What, what ones? I, I thought it was really interesting when um, the guy who is the one who's leading the mission over there, not the general, the kind of Jeff Bezos guy. Yeah, Gino, Giovanni Ribisi. Yes. Yeah. When he says, um, these people have to learn that we don't stop. Mm-hmm. When he's when Jake says, like, stop, you have to stop. And, and he's like, we have to teach them that we, we don't stop. Mm-hmm. I thought that was a very interesting line. Mm-hmm. And then that kind of scene is followed by the Navi people shooting bows and arrows at these giant tanks with machine guns that mm-hmm. the humans have brought in. And I thought that was very powerful. And that scene is... Um, ended with the general saying the space marine guy, yeah yeah, yeah. The, the, right yeah. the marine guy he says good work people first rounds on me tonight that it was just business like mm-hmm. this we're just here to do our job even though like it's not even a fair fight but he's like congratulating them on a job well done and then like let's go out and celebrate for like literally destroying these people's homes i thought that was really powerful i i saw the very strong allegories to you know, Europeans coming in and colonizing the Americas. So I definitely thought that a lot of that stuff was powerful, but I also didn't think any of it was being told in a particularly new or interesting way. Mm-hmm. Let me ask you, you're talking about at the end. I know we're going to the end and we can start back at the beginning because I okay. have stuff to say about that too. But I like talking about how terrible this movie is, I gotta say. <laughs> okay, all right, okay. It's time people admit that Avatar is awful. It's awful. I, I'm flummoxed by it um uh what was i gonna say about i forget okay well then i have a question yes. So you were making movies in 2009 correct mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and what was going on were you guys like oh this is amazing and we should all try to rip off avatar were you like you know these audience people are chumps and they'll fall for anything no it's about james cameron 
I mean, what he could do whatever he wanted to. And so it's his vision and whatever he says, we're like, oh yeah, it's the greatest. You know, and when it was being made, you know, there was a big deal made out of it. And then it made so much money. So, but it was up to him. I mean, whatever you want, James, you have. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't about trying to rip it off. He was too busy ripping off a thousand other <laughs> movies. Well, that's what I thought was interesting about like me saying that I I didn't think it was anything different than any other action movie that I'd ever seen. And James Cameron said a very similar thing that he said that he drew inspiration from, quote, every science fiction book I ever read as a kid. Okay. So he's like, the inspiration for this movie is just everything. Yeah. It's just a, action. Yeah, as a kid. Everything I remember as a kid. Well, let, let me ask about the ending for a sec. About, okay. You know, um, it was visually amazing to see these massive tanks coming in. And even the, the Navi are very tall, blue cat people. I have to talk about that for a minute. <laughs> With a Calvin Klein bent. They're kind of sexy. They're kind of groovy. We see their bombs, but no cracks. All of that stuff. I think that's interesting. Because it's kind of like this. It's like the Navi people, they are people of nature. They want to go around naked. Mm -hmm. They don't want to wear clothes. But we can't really show that. Well, the Navi people are based off of a dream that James Cameron's mother had. Ooh. She had a dream where she... So um, they're big blue cat people? Well, <laughs> she interacted with a woman who was 12 feet tall and was also blue. And so then James Cameron was like, all right, the look for the Navi people is going to be based off of this dream that my mom had about a blue 12 foot tall woman. Yeah, and I have to say that last shot of the of uh, Zoe Saldana, who I feel sorry for because there's not a moment that she's Zoe. She's just a cat woman the whole time. But in the end when she holds, you know, the broken, what is, you know, human Sam Worthington. It just looked ridiculous to me. Like, he's just this little thing and she's this big thing. Anyway, I thought it was weird. But the ending, <laughs> the ending, like, you know, these huge, magnificent, destructive machines tearing into their earth and the little people, you know. Um, and then, uh, bow and arrow wins the day. I mean, what's the point of having all this technical advantage if, like, a goddamn bow and arrow is going to win the day. I know it's symbolic, right, but it's silly say. to me. No, yeah, I just think that the point was that like love and culture will defeat capitalism. It was a bow and arrow. It was a wooden arrow. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, and I feel like there was really no closure. It was just like they killed that one guy. You know, they killed the general. And so then everybody goes home. Well, for a drink? Just another day in the <laughs> office. Uh, no, I don't know. <laughs> it seemed, I don't know. Personally, I felt like they gave up kind of easy. They were like, they killed the general, so game over. Go home. We gotta go back to Earth. Yeah, yeah. You know what? I saw this movie yesterday again, and I can't even remember. What happened to Giovanni Ribisi? Did he? He, like, gets carted off in handcuffs at the end. They sent everybody oh, home. Right, they all right, leave. right, right, right. Handcuffs. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Now, the first time that I ever, should I say this story, but the first time I ever saw the movie, because sure. I thought, the first time I ever saw the movie, I was drunk, so I thought, that's why I didn't like Avatar. I had just gone through a breakup. I'd had three shots of tequila, which is ugly on me, and I was crying and watching the movie and saying, why are they blue? That was as deep as I got. So I thought, oh, I was drunk, whatever. Well, I saw it again just last night, and I can barely remember anything. I, 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 so drunk, sober, 
doesn't matter. When it's you see very this movie. forgettable. Which is, is something that's really interesting to me because you would think that the highest grossing movie of all time would create mega stars. Because yes. you think about Marvel and Avengers movies and the Marvel effect that being in those movies has on people. Like take Chris Pratt, for example. He was a TV actor who did a, dabbled in a little bit of movies, but then he was in um, Guardians of the Galaxy, became a mega movie star. He's super fun to watch. And Sam is not. I know he's not, but okay. he was also in the highest grossing film of all time. Like, you would think that Even a movie that. this big would make mega stars. And I know that um, the woman who plays Neytiri... Zoe Saldana. Yes, mm-hmm. she is a extremely good actress who's mm-hmm. been in some really good stuff. She was in Star Trek and she was also in Guardians of the Galaxy. But even she's not really a mega movie star, no. I don't think. So I it's did like, um, uh, Nina Simone. She played. I did a movie about Nina Simone. She played the. She played Nina. She's a really good actress. Yeah, no, she's incredible, and like mm-hmm. I love her. Ahura um, in Star Trek, my favorite character. Like I love her. <laughs> I think she's fabulous. I really have no complaints about her, even in this movie. It's just shocking to me that a movie that's so successful wouldn't create mega successful, famous. And that was just really shocking to me watching the movie and being like, I don't know who any of these people are. That's the problem. There's no character. And I'll go into that in one sec, but there's no, um, there's no, you're not connected to any of the characters. And so, and so it's kind of hard to play those roles because there's no character development. So how do you love them? And you know, you got the Sam Worthington who's boring. I whisper it. Boring. And then, um, but you know, you don't remember any real scenes from... Avatar. Mm-mm. You remember like it's oh it's a beautiful world. You don't remember right. the actors, the characters. Because the thing that was kind of curious to me is I kind of like the first thirty minutes. I'll admit it, and then I'm gonna step away. <laughs> but um, I can't even remember what happened in the first thirty I'll tell minutes. You, I'm like watching this, and I'm like oh so it's a white dude. Ugh, okay. But oh, he's a paraplegic. He's in a wheelchair. Oh yeah, and then he says interesting. That okay, yeah, and then like the one of the first lines of the movie is that um. He, that back on Earth, they have the technology to fix, fix your legs. legs, but he can't afford it on right. his, on his uh, VA insurance. Right. And then Stephen Lang, the military guy's like, you do this for us? You go in and you respond, right. you get yourself some new legs. I, that storyline was interesting. And really I wish there was more about that. Right. Because you're like, oh, and plus he's got a, this dead brother and mm-hmm. he has to take his place. That's all interesting character stuff. And... As soon as he becomes an avatar, that's all goes away. He's got legs. He doesn't, well, you know, he care about the brother. Because what I thought was going to happen was that that his character Jake was going to become the avatar. He was going to have legs, and he was going to be like, "I don't want to go. I don't want to go back. Like, I want to stay like this." And that's not what happened. It was just like, "Yeah, whatever. I do the avatar thing. I help these people. Like, whatever I can do to get my legs." And I'm like, "Dude, you have you have them." Right. So that doesn't really matter to him anymore the fact that he except could get for legs. in the last scene of the movie when he comes a navi and he gets his I'm, the last note that i wrote was oh i guess he got his legs after all yeah but that's the only time that it comes back in is that in the very last scene i mean they really didn't explore like any of the veteran stuff that was going on right. it's like they mentioned it a couple of times and then they completely forgot it because all that is is interesting i agree especially with the yeah. movie that came out so close to 9-11 Oh, right, 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 right. But they were like, no, none of that. Don't need to explore it. Yeah, we're going to just stay with the this magical world that's so beautiful in nature and all created by software. You know, just all yeah. the concept of it all is weird. Um, the whole Avatar thing was cool. The world is incredible. It's like an acid trip. It's technological breakthrough. They, he, he invented a new language. You know, that's pretty... Mm-hmm. 
Did, was that his mom's dream also? <laughs> no, no, no. So I thought it was... He worked with linguists, and they came ah, up with a language. Okay, that's cool. And then when the movie came out, they released a 224-page book that was about the world and the language and the people who live there. And I'm like, honestly, I wish he would have just released the book. Right, that's now that's curious And me, also, yeah. when they storyboarded the movie with all of the, you know, the landscapes and everything, they decided to, to paint it. Instead of to do it digitally. So to create the digital world where they did these huge paintings. Oh, wow. And I thought that was really cool too. Yeah. And I was like, give us that. Yeah, I don't care about business. this movie. But like the making of it is very interesting. Yeah. And I'd watch a documentary about how it got made. Right. Yeah, but... that'd be fun. Um, yeah, so he doesn't care about his dead brother. He also no. doesn't care. You know, Scorny Weaver dies. <laughs> no, he doesn't care at all. She's dying and she's just carefully covered with some sort of like little moss or whatever yes. so you can. And it was very obviously not Sigourney Weaver. That was the only time that I thought the CGI was bad was when Sigourney Weaver's death scene. And I was like, that's not a person. Yeah. And how about how they made her as a avatar? She's like younger, first of all. <laughs> kind of the groovy. No, doesn't smoke. Even though the real Sigourney Weaver as a human, you can tell she doesn't smoke. because She's a bad fake smoker. She has kind of a, like a midriff shirt yeah. on. Yeah. She's sexy. No, you know? if you want to be a Navi, you have to be a little bit sexy. You do. That's the rule. Yes. But yeah. I honestly thought Sigourney Weaver was kind of um, refreshing. I thought she was good in this. She was like a breath of fresh um, yeah. in the movie. Because she was dealing like as an actor, characters, you know, like Marine, you know, that part right. came alive. But she was barely in it. Mm-hmm. And she was the most interesting part. But I will say that I, you know, I was nine years old. I didn't like pay any attention to Sigourney Weaver being in it but I remember when I watched it this time I was like I said out loud Sigourney Weaver is in this I'm like what like we talk about the movies that Sigourney Weaver has been in it's like you know we don't talk about Avatar Avatar, even though that is the most successful movie ever she was in it and we don't Don't attribute it to her or we you know what we're like Ghostbusters uh, Alien we don't talk about Avatar that is weird. It's so weird. Folks, do you love movies? Well, if the answer to that question is yes, then Super Yaki is the site for you. The team at Super Yaki loves movies, so much so that they've dedicated every waking moment of their life to bringing you quality merchandise to showcase your love for them. In February, Super Yaki's collection is celebrating the Fast and Furious franchise and Florence Pugh's cooking videos. And then in March, they'll be highlighting perennial favorite Mads Mikkelsen and more. From bumper stickers to t-shirts to baseball caps, Super Yaki is dedicated to providing eco-friendly, fun movie merchandise. Visit superyaki.com to shop now and learn more. And use the offer code SUPERMOVIES to save 10% on your next purchase. You know what else I don't like about the movie? Tell me. And I don't like this about all movies, any of the movies, when they okay. all explain everything up front. I know in like science fiction, you have to state oh, what like the rules are. Exposition dump right at the beginning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so you get it, and then you're like, okay, move on. Um, but I don't like that. Um, also, so tell me about this. Okay. So you've got um, the super duper heroic white dude, right? Mm-hmm. And he becomes an avatar. And he, they say, um, you know, he has to be taught to see. Or, yeah, and so that's a nice theme, you know, mm-hmm. and it's very sweet throughout. It's, um, yeah, I like it. No, that. I mean, that, did I hate this movie? Yes. Did I cry? Also, yes. <gasps> at the end, at the oh, end, when God. they like look at each other and they're like, I see you, I really believe, I mean, you know, not great acting, but I did believe it. I was like, 
I think they really do see each other. And I thought that was a really beautiful, beautiful um, theme throughout, you know, seeing people for who they actually are and not what they represent. Because in the beginning of the movie, Neytiri and the Navi people are a way for Jake to get what he wants, which is his legs. They're just a means to an end. But at the end, he's like, no, I, I really see who you are. It's not about me anymore. It's about you. And I thought, you know, he sees her instead of he sees himself in her. Okay. And I thought that was really beautiful. Okay. I see you. I see you. Just tell me how the cry was. It was just like a tear going down. No, was I wasn't it? like weeping. So I was, was just like, like a little teary eyed. Yeah, a couple of tissues. Did no, you no, say? no, no. Was it like this? <laughs> no, no. I just was like a little, a little <laughs> misty eyed. Like, all right, that's sweet. They, okay, so they see sobbing. each other. <laughs> you were sobbing. That's crazy. <laughs> Another thing that I, I wrote down, um, one of my quotes that I wrote down in the movie was about, you know, it was also about seeing, but it was about waking up. They kept bringing that up. Um, yeah. Jake says, I was a warrior who brought peace, but sooner or later you have to wake up. And then at the end of the movie, um, the general says to him, how does it feel to betray your own race? You think you're one of them? It's time to wake up. Mm. And so they both kind of came to the same conclusion, but about two completely different things. Like Jake saw himself as the hero and he was like, I have to wake up because I'll never be the, the hero. Yeah. And the general came to the same conclusion. Well, you think you're the hero? You're not. You turned on your own people. Exactly. He, betray, he, do, he does super amount of betraying in this. Yeah, He's like, whoa, betraying that. Wee, betraying them now. But it's, it's true. There's also um, a, a voiceover in the very beginning where he says something, 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 dreaming, but you always have to wake up. Yeah. yeah. So there, there, is that, there is that stuff. Yeah, but what about the idea that, oh, I'm a warrior bringing peace. No, he's not. Do you know warriors, peace? You're, no, you're a warrior. So Zoe Saldana has to teach the man-child to be a man or to see or to right. feel or whatever. Right. Which just seems ridiculous. But So she's annoyed, and yet she likes him. So I don't know why she's annoyed. Um, or why does she like him? I understand why she's annoyed. But she she likes him. Well, I mean, he's like, he's like dangerously incompetent and a murderer. So, uh, yeah... Um, so you're teaching a white guy to feel, seems like a waste of time. Um, but apparently she teaches him so well that he goes from learning to walk to being the best warrior in a few months. So what? Um, it was just Pocahontas. I, I mean, that's <laughs> what it was, right? It was about a white guy who came in and he met the daughter of the guy who ran the tribe and they fall in love and he's going to get executed, but the daughter mm -hmm. saves him and then she's, you know... Their culture revolves around a a spiritual tree, and you know her hair blows in the wind, and so he <laughs> understands humanity, and then they fall in love, and it's just like I'm surprised that Disney. I mean, I know Disney owns this story now, but I'm like, I'm surprised they didn't sue. And I know that like many people did sue James Cameron for ripping uh, them they? off. Yeah, because they were like, oh, I wrote this story first, and it's like, well, everybody wrote this story first because it's just interesting. It's, it's, a, it's, it's just a big been nothing. Yeah. <laughs> it's just the same story I've heard every day for forever. But yeah, I was surprised that Disney wasn't one of those people who sued because it was mm. so close to Pocahontas. The story was that... It really was. 
The truth is, like half, more than halfway through the movie, the only thing that really matters is what side, um, you know, Jake is that his name mm-hmm. chooses, because whatever side he chooses will will win. So, you know, it's like um, Mr. Generic White Guy Action Hero, um, you know. <laughs> whatever side he chooses will win because a random paraplegic Jake, Captain Spectacular, for no reason, becomes like, you know, becomes the hero. I mean, earlier he couldn't fight a pack of dogs with a machine gun. Mm-hmm. And now he's like, I'm saving the day. So, And he also betrays everybody, betrays the scientists to the army as quickly as he betrays humanity to the Navi. So He also betrays the Navi for the military also. I mean, yeah. he just, like, he plays all sides. He does whatever is best for him. He's like an anti-hero disguised as a hero. I, I, I don't think we should put any kind of hero in here. <laughs> I, think we should, I think we should remove that. So what do you think about the the strongest theme that's going on here, which is anti-war, anti-capitalism? What do you think about what do you think about that message? And did they do a good job? Well, I just can't see that. I mean, I know that's what it's supposed to be, the anti-war, but you know, the whole all the movies war. It's all fighting and fighting. Mm-hmm. So you know, I have to say there's one thing that I even though there was fighting in that too, one thing that I liked about Wonder Woman was that they were actually like love is gonna conquer. It's not gonna be fighting. So there was a theme that you know I could kind of get behind but no this is just um no I they're warriors the army's there he's a space marine they're all fighting is he in space he's, he's like what Trump started what is what a Trump start what space it, force he's part of space force <laughs> <laughs> I, I feel like I wouldn't think it was so funny if the movie actually did a good job in my opinion of telling an anti-war story or even a story about the seriousness of war because I felt like it didn't do any of those things. No, no, it was, it was like, horrifying. oh, war is bad. Exactly. War is bad, but also we're going to have this epic, incredible, glorified 45-minute so battle long. scene. I'm like, yeah. well, that's doing the opposite of what you're telling me that you're doing in this movie. Yeah. So, I don't know. I just didn't really take it seriously on any of the big points that I was trying to make other than the only one of the only things that I thought was beautiful about the movie was the world, of course, because it's gorgeous. Yeah, yeah. And that Sigourney Weaver Can't approaches. Smoke a city. <laughs> right, right. No, a Sigourney Weaver approaches Giovanni Ribisi and says, "You can't destroy this tree, this right. world, because the world is like a brain. It's got all these nerve endings. Like it's a whole system. Connects and everything. These people are connected to the system and." It's bigger than just a land that has resources that you want on it. Like, it's more than that. You've got to let us study it. You can't destroy this. This is beautiful. It's amazing. The environment, it's more than just an environment. It's its life. And he's like, "There, I see trees everywhere. They can move to a different tree. It's just trees. What are you talking about? What drugs are you guys doing in your lab? It's just trees. Mm-hmm. You say you want to keep your people alive? You start by listening to her. Those trees were sacred to the Omotakai in a way you can't imagine. Uh, you know what? You throw a stick in the air around here, it's going to land on some sacred fern, for Christ's sake. I'm not talking about some kind of pagan voodoo here. I'm talking about something real, something measurable in the biology of the forest. Which is what exactly? What we think we know is that there is some kind of electrochemical communication between the roots of the trees like the synapses between neurons. And each tree has 10 to the fourth connections to the trees around it. And there are 10 to the 12th trees on Pandora. 
Which is a lot, I'm guessing. It's more connections than the human brain. Get it? It's a network. It's a global network, and the Navi can access it. They can upload and download data, memories, at sites like the one you just destroyed. Yes. What the hell have you people been smoking out there? <laughs> They're just goddamn trees. <laughs> I thought that was an interesting mm -hmm. storyline, which I wish that they had focused more on that and less on the anti-war, because I feel like if the story was supposed to be... I agree with be, you, because it's a, it's a new world. Right. And if who the, are they in it? Yes, yes, yes. If the yes. story was like this, do we explore the land or do we destroy it? Mm-hmm. Um, if that was the story, I think I would have been way more on board than the story being, look at how humans destroy everything that's beautiful with war. We shouldn't fight in wars ever. But I'm going to make the best war scene you, you know, you've ever seen. <laughs> and I, I felt like it was kind of like, that was the main storyline and there was this, we destroy everything that's beautiful because we're greedy. Yeah. It was a smaller storyline. And I wish that that had been the main one because... They did spend so much time building this beautiful world and immersing us in it and making us fall in love with it. And then to have that taken away from us, it was really heartbreaking. Like when they destroyed that tree and you you knew what that tree did and what it meant. It had the, like the collective consciousness of other yeah. ancestors and mm -hmm. stuff. Everything. But you know, like, you know, people who take like ayahuasca, uh, they talk about like the shamans or whatever, that all of the information that they've learned are in the trees and the plants. Mm -hmm. And how do you learn that they tell us? Yeah. You know, we go like, oh taking ayahuasca what do they know but you know it's true we're all connected we're connected with the earth we're all made of the same stuff we are all one and that um that philosophy or that thought is a is a cool thought i wish that it had been about environmentalism and climate change and how we're destroying the beauty that is around us and how we just need to see it you know he says i see you and she says i see you i'm like i wish the story was we see the earth and how it is also an important part of our ecosystem it's us um but you're talking about like anti-globalization or anti-capitalism mm -hmm. you know that's message is made by a major corporation that you know this 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 movie made by a corporation and gets to use the spread of global capitalism and all of the output of that of that main company to spread its word you know so it's like none of it makes sense no i mean it is very hypocritical because yeah we were talking before we started recording um about you were saying how you know it's about how beautiful this world is and how we have to protect the environment but then the environment that we're watching in the movie isn't real it's all made up cgi software it's all so that's weirdly disappointing but I, I can buy that. And even the world, the earth was exploited to make the technology that <laughs> made the world. So it's just like, it is, I mean, there is a lot of hypocritical voices being listened to in this movie. Mm -hmm. I've never heard anyone say, I love that movie. I've not heard that. I, maybe I'm, I don't know. You, you have. I have. Who's from my that? friends who watched it when they were little in the theater. Uh -huh. Maybe they've seen it again, but everybody that I know who loved it has seen it in the theater. And they always say, when I say why, they say, it's beautiful. Okay. It's beautiful. And I'm like, it is beautiful. I want to live there. I totally want to live there and just like hang out with those rhino dinosaur <laughs> guys and like drink and out of those horses. 
Yeah, oh, and like the place, like where when Jake first goes to the Navi hangout and he goes to sleep in that little cocoon, I was awesome. like, I want to sleep there. Absolutely. I want to drink out of that purple flower, absolutely. like the rainwater. I mean, it was absolutely gorgeous. I wanted to be part of that world so badly. Uh-huh. So that part to me was really successful. And I understand, I mean, I don't know if I understand why it's the highest grossing film of all time, but I do understand why it was a very successful film just based on the world that they created. Yeah. I just wish there was a little bit more attention put on the storyline but james cameron worked on the movie you know in the 90s that's when he started writing it uh and then the technology a little earlier there. when oh, the earlier mom that? had the dream oh true <laughs> oh no <laughs> uh-huh. nobody like he started working on it in the 90s and then the technology wasn't there and he's like i want to build this with cgi i don't want it to be mm-hmm. you know a movie made with real people in a real place like i want it this to be a technology movie and so he waited until the technology was good enough and so i know that he put thought into it and i know he worked on it and i know that teams of people worked on it and studios had to put their faith in james cameron and the story to get this movie made and obviously it paid off i just cannot fathom why or how me neither if any of the listeners out there know why it was so successful please let us know or if you loved it let us know so so i guess this is a classic then or just a successful movie i mean what you're saying about like remembering the the words that were said in scenes and this kind of relates to its um impact i I know we were talking about napoleon dynamite Mm -hmm. right the quotability of that movie Mm -hmm. leading to its successfulness but this is we have the opposite right it was a super successful movie that i couldn't tell you one quote from except for i see you but that's not like something that people say because we watched avatar you know what i mean it's like i see you avatar (laughs) oh you saw avatar yeah yeah i did i see you um no no, and it doesn't no. make any sense at all. So, I don't know. I mean, like, of, of course I think it's a classic and it's something that should be studied and watched. Well, why? I mean, it's the most successful movie of all time. I mean, it's got, like, Citizen Kane energy to me. It's like, why is Citizen Kane the best movie of all time? I don't know, because the BFI told me that it was. Like, I just yes. believe it. It's not... But, like, I don't like Citizen Kane either, and yeah. that's a classic. So, I feel like something being so successful... You know, it wasn't successful for no reason. So there's something to be learned from it. But I think that, well, I don't know, because it didn't work first. It didn't work second. It didn't, it just doesn't work for me, this movie. And so, I, as I said before, I think that it's the characters. I think it's the themes that are, you know, his themes are very lofty in a way. You know, our other movies are themes of, you know, coming of age or you want to learn, you know, about sexuality or things mm-hmm. that are immediate. These themes are... Are, are are just mental. Do, mm-hmm. do you know what I mean? They're they're about worldly global concepts, which we we don't you know. We but don't... also too many worldly global concepts. I feel like maybe and the movie you... needed to be focused a little bit mm-hmm. more. It was like we can you know you can only address so many global concepts in three hours. It, <laughs> like maybe if they had just focused it a little bit instead of being like, oh well we'll talk a little bit about that and a little bit about this. It's like, well these aren't really concepts that you can just touch on. Like you need right. to dive into them. Yeah. And you really need characters that you love and understand to guide you through these mm-hmm. big ideas. So I don't think it is a classic. I think it's a super successful movie, but not a classic. I just I feel like a movie that Okay. Well, first of all, it's a movie, as I said before, it's a movie that made a whole bunch of money and mm-hmm. is the most successful movie of all time. And mm-hmm. I think that there is something to be learned from that because it wasn't successful for no reason. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I also think that um, just because a movie's plot didn't really resonate with us 
or you didn't really resonate with anyone, it can be impactful in other ways or be culturally relevant in other ways, right? Like the technology, 3D movies, showing movies in IMAX, using motion capture. It did so, had introduced so many innovative technologies into the movie making industry. Like I said, motion capture, just figuring all that stuff out and yeah. refining it and, and shooting a movie in 3D. Mm-hmm. I think that that kind of makes it an impactful, culturally relevant movie classic, even if I didn't like the plot of it. I can't. You didn't like anything of it. Well, but I can't negate the fact that it had significant influence and impact, and was an important part of in the world of technology. Yeah, in in the world of technology. But then that you know trickled into other movies that impacted us. Like you know, I saw the last movie I saw in IMAX was um, Bohemian Rhapsody. Oh. So like that's even something you know I can't remember what the last movie I saw in 3D was, but like I know after Avatar, significantly more movies were shot. Mm-hmm. In, in 3D. I don't know if that's something we do so much anymore. Shoot movies yeah, in 3D. It but it definitely had a cultural moment. Yeah. It definitely had its moment. Um, watching movies in 3D. So if it's culturally relevant. Does that make it a classic? Is that what you mean? I think when it's culturally relevant in this big of a way. Right? Like I don't know if every movie that has cultural relevance. Deserves to be a classic. But I think when it's the most successful movie of all time. Mm-hmm. I think that that kind of elevates it because it very clearly meant so much to so many people that people wanted to spend all of their money on it. Okay, so then what I think is that at that time they uh, people were overwhelmed with the beauty of the CGI and the software world, okay, mm-hmm. technology. So how could it be uh, a classic if it doesn't hold up? Because you're going to say, oh, look at that 3D, you know, the 3D, that CGI, right. you know, it's so passe. But it does hold up. Like I know I had said earlier that it wasn't digitally remastered. So like it is just as beautiful today as it was then. Also, something that we haven't really talked about is that, you know, however many years it's been since the movie came out, they're doing five more sequels. That's so interesting. So the mm-hmm. filmmakers and James Cameron is involved in it. So they must think that there's some cultural relevance still if they're going to do five more of them. I think, you but know. But is it a classic? I think so. I think it is. Even though I didn't like it. I really did not. It didn't speak to you at all. It did not speak to me at all. But and it I think, never will. No, but not every classic has to speak to me personally. I think it does. I think it has to have... I, that's what I think makes a classic. It has to have universal themes that speak to humanity or the humanness of us. Yeah, that's what I... I think that's super important. So you watch it again and you go like, yeah, it still works because it speaks to us. I don't think of Avatar... Sp- speaks to us it kind of bombards us with visuals but but it changed filmmaking i just feel like it's too sided right so. like something can be like like harold and maude didn't really have any industry impact but it is this universal beautiful story about humanity mm-hmm. avatar doesn't really have anything to say but it like changed <laughs> the way that we make movies so it's like i think that both there's a place for both of those things Yes, it changed the way we make movies. Yeah. That doesn't make it a classic. <laughs> right? Well then, okay, so you only you can only be a classic if it's a universal story. I, if it speaks to you. Yes, I think so. And it moves you and it touches you and it you know talks about the uh, you know humanity. What But I guess Avatar speaks about our humanity, sure, about 
I don't know. I just was saying I'm bored by it. Yeah, it was really boring. It was too long, too. I, there was no reason it was that needed to be three hours. It was two hours and 20 minutes too long. <laughs> <laughs> it should have been there just the first 30 minutes. Yes, that's it. And then, <laughs> and then just cut. Where cut we got away. like a criticism of how we treat our veterans. Yes. We got an interesting main character. And you think it's going to go this way, but it doesn't. Yeah. Well, we don't get to see that it doesn't. We just get to think, oh, it's going to go a certain way. Right. And we can keep that That's thought. a classic. <laughs> <laughs> if this movie was 30 minutes long, it would instantly be a classic. Yeah. Yeah. The way, change the way we make movies. So does that make it, so doesn't that just make the industry, uh, the actual, um, it, it changes the way we make movies. But that doesn't really change what a classic is, right? But it, it also changed how we enjoy movies, right? Because now when we go see CGI, we expect something. Because Avatar set the bar so high. It's like we saw Polar Express and we were like, you're right, I guess this is as good as it gets. <laughs> and then we saw Avatar and it's like, well, now I expect that. And when I see anything that's less than that, I'm like, this is this mm-hmm. is the worst CGI I've ever seen. You know, it's like... <laughs> it. it it definitely changed the way people enjoy movies and it changed the way studios make movies. And I, I think that that mm-hmm, makes mm-hmm. it a classic worth discussing and worth studying mm-hmm. and worth pointing to as an example of an impactful mm-hmm. classic film. But if you don't hit your human emotions and you don't connect with the characters and it doesn't really speak to you, how can that, you know? All right, it's not a classic, so we've agreed on that. <laughs> <laughs> thank you for listening to this week's episode of the movies that made her but not me join us next episode when lauren and minna take a trip to the catskills and get down and discuss the 80s film dirty dancing thank you to our sponsor film cred an online film publication publishing insightful film and television reviews interviews video essays and coverage of film festivals Thank you also to Antonio Ortiz for composing our theme and all other music on this podcast. And lastly, thank you to you, listeners. We've started a podcast email for listeners to email us and provide feedback, comments, questions, and anything else you can want us to know. Email us at moviesmadeher at gmail.com to let us know if you liked Avatar. Be sure to follow us at moviesmadeher on Instagram and Twitter to stay up to date on episode releases, the movies we'll be covering, and all things podcast-related.